Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, the World Juniors. Hi, this is uh, Spencer Knight. This is Matt Boldy. Hey guys, this is Cam York from Team USA. Hello, this is Tim Stutzler. Hi, my name is Noel Gunnler. I'm Alexander Holtz of the Team Sweden. Hey, I'm Dylan Cousins. Hey, it's Phil Tomasino. Hi, this is Devin Levi. Major Junior. Looks back to the point, turns, fires, scores! What a shot! First OHO goal for Shane Wright. Right circle, shot, scores! Connor Bedard has arrived here at the Brad Center, is first in the Western Hockey League. NCAA. Save! Watch out! Watch out! UMass are national champions! The NHL Draft. I am Slash and Kosa. This is Don Gunther of the Emmett Snow Kings. This is Luna McLoom from UGarn here. Hi, I'm Brent Clark. Hi, this is Matt Coronado from the Chicago Steel. It's Zachary LaRue from the Halifax Moosehead. Hey, it's Paul Stones with a two-fall stampede. This is Fabian LaSalle. I play for Lulio. Hey, it's Corson Kuhlman from Brooks Bandit. Hi, this is Chaz Lucius. This is Logan Sandkoven. I play for the Camels Blazers. It's just Wolfis from uh, Lulio Hockey. And more. Bring it! This is the Pipeline Show. Cole Sillinger not coming back to the WHL. What does that mean for Seth Jarvis and Jake Neighbors? A massive trade in the Western Hockey League. And what exactly is a rookie in the WHL this year? The CHL Top 10, college action from Friday night. Lots to get to. Let's get at it. Welcome to the Pipeline Show, everybody. My name is Guy Flaming. Before we go any further, the Pipeline Show brought to you by Alberta's best beef jerky. That, of course, is Wilhock Beef Jerky. If you are in Western Canada and you can't get to either location in Spruce Grove or Leduc, Alberta, then you can contact them. And uh, especially get in touch with uh, Trent in Leduc. Any order, any size, anywhere in Western Canada, they will ship it to you, vacuum sealed, ready to go. It's going to be fresh and delicious when it gets to you. Check them out at wilhockbeefjerky.com. This episode, a day late, at least a day late, as uh, Friday I was feeling absolutely terrible. And I'll be honest, as I'm speaking with you right now, it's Saturday afternoon. I don't feel a lot better today. Spent much of a Friday uh, actually curled up in bed. Today I slept in as well. I'm, I'm just not feeling good. I don't think uh, I'm going to the Oil King game tonight. They are at home to the Calgary Hitmen. Uh, I've already called in sick with an asterisk that uh, maybe if I feel better I'll come, but I don't think so. So apologies for this uh, week's episode uh, coming at you late, but uh, good reason for that. Let's get right to the news and notes. Don't have a question of the week for you, but uh, the, the, one of the big news items this week is the announcement that Cole Sillinger will not be returning to the Western Hockey League this year. As we kind of that started to become clearer through training camp and into the early regular season, with for two reasons, he was playing really well, and the other is that because he was drafted outside of the CHL, the Blue Jackets had the option to send him to the American Hockey League anyway. So it seemed almost far-fetched that uh, he would go back to Medicine Hat, at least very unlikely. Well, now it's been confirmed he will not be going back uh, to the Medicine Hat Tigers. That leaves Seth Jarvis from the Portland Winterhawks, who's uh, with the Carolina Hurricanes and playing pretty well by all accounts, started a little late. Uh, and Jake Neighbors, who is with the St. Louis Blues, the Edmonton Oil Kings and the Portland Winterhawks, definitely liked those guys to uh, come back to them, but uh, wishing them well with their... Uh, graduation here to the NHL. Will either one of those two players come back? Good question. Both those teams could certainly use them. The uh, 
Edmonton Oil Kings losing yesterday in Calgary in a uh, shootout. A six, not it didn't go to shootout, but it was a slugfest. Put it that way, six five the final. Uh, my guess is that uh, that Neighbors comes back, and and I'm not sure about Jarvis. He might stick. I, I think Neighbors Neighbors apparently is playing pretty well. He was scratched a couple of games here recently by St. Louis. Probably don't want to read too much into that, but that team's playing pretty well. He's been a part of that though. We should know more in the next uh, week or two. Maybe it's a situation where those teams, I don't think they can drag it all the way out until the uh, World Junior Championship, though. Remember, we saw the the Blues do that with uh, Alex Petrangelo one year. But let's get to the uh, news and notes. We'll start with the CHL's top 10 rankings coming into this weekend's action. The Winnipeg Ice, although they suffered their first defeat of the season last weekend against the Edmonton Oil Kings, uh, they are ranked number one. The London Knights, who are a perfect 8-0, I should check to see if they played on Friday night. Again, I was out of a commission uh, yesterday. They did play, but they won in overtime 2-1 against the Owen Sound Attack. So they are now 9-0. They're playing today against the Flint Firebirds. By the time you're hearing this, that game's probably over. But the Knights, 9-0. Can they catch Winnipeg and their record to start the season, which was 11-0? The Edmonton Oil Kings are ranked number three, and some Oil King fans might be wondering, okay, we just beat Winnipeg. Why are we ranked below them? Well, the next night after beating Winnipeg, the Oil Kings lost against Red Deer, so it didn't help their case there. And uh, with losing to Calgary last night, we'll be surprised to see them drop even more. Quebec is number four, Kamloops five, and I would think the Blazers, if there's a team that will move up and past Edmonton, it would be Kamloops. Uh, Schwinnigan is six, Everett is seven, Saskatoon is eight, Kingston nine, and the Sherbrooke Phoenix are ranked number ten. Top scorers in the Western Hockey League right now, and this is after Friday night's games, uh, Tristan Robbins from the Saskatoon Blades has 22 points. He's followed closely by Mike Mild of the Winnipeg Ice with 21. And then a couple of players, Kyle Krinkovic of Saskatoon and Lucas Fakoski have 20 points. And Logan Stankoven's been on fire this week. He has 19 points with the Kamloops Blazers. I mentioned in the, uh, the lead-up, uh, what exactly makes a rookie in the WHL this year? You look at the WHL's website, and you click on rookie scoring leaders, and you see guys like Matthew Savoy and Zach Benson and Braden Yeager, Riley Height, all with the asterisks next to their name, which indicates that they are rookies. Well, uh, Andrew Peart and I were talking about this on the broadcast last weekend, probably the, during the Winnipeg game, as a matter of fact, and speculating because you, there's the cutoff for rookies. It's it's usually, I believe it's 20 games. It might be 25. Uh, we were talking about that, and then the next day, uh, Andrew received notice that obviously somebody had heard the broadcast and uh, passed it on to us that uh, rookies this year, it's, it is 20 games played. If, you, if you've played 20 games previously, uh, you are con- no longer considered to be a rookie, which is interesting because that's Matthew Savoy, that's Zach Benson, that's Braden Yeager, that's Riley Height. All of those guys played 20 games last year. So the WHL's website needs to be updated, and uh, those players need to have that asterisk removed. Because right now, it looks like Matthew Savoy is the leading rookie scorer uh, in the WHL with 18 points, ahead of Zach Benson with 15, and Braden Yeager with 13. However, all of those players uh, played in the uh, in the sub-hub last year, except Matthew Savoy, but he played 22 games the year previous to that. Last year, he was in the USHL. So he's not a rookie, Benson's not a rookie, neither is Yeager or Height. They all exceeded that 20-game threshold. So the leading scorer right now as a rookie should be Ryland Rorsma of the Brandon Wheat Kings. 
who has 11 points. I believe Igor Sidorov and Bogdan's hot ass as well. Uh, Saskatoon and Medicine. I think I'm going to double check as I'm speaking with you right now that uh, both of those guys, well, Hotass didn't play in the league last year, uh, and I don't believe that Sidorov did either. Nope. So uh, those two are both legit rookies as well. So we got a three horse race as a rookies. What's interesting in this is that going by that letter of the law, that would mean that uh, Connor Bedard, who only played, what did he play, 14 games last year, uh, would still be considered a rookie this year except he was named the Rookie of the Year last year in the WHL. So, theoretically, you could have the same player win Rookie of the Year twice. How does that make any sense? So, it's an interesting situation that the WHL is in right now. We'll see exactly what happens with that. Um, as I, you know, I was looking to see, he does not have an asterisk next to his name. So, this is also done by the, the, the teams themselves. But there is no asterisk next to the name of Connor Bedard on uh, Regina's page. So we'll leave it up to the league to figure out. Bedard played 15 games uh, during the uh, Subway Hub in Regina last season. But was named the Rookie of the Year. Big trade in the WHL this week as the Vancouver Giants get probably the first. I, I think I would consider this to be the, the first big trade. I guess maybe I should uh, correct that and say that the, the Oil Kings picking up Luke Prokop uh, from Calgary for two draft picks and two roster players. Probably a pretty big trade, too. But Alex Cotton goes to the Vancouver Giants for Hunter McKinnis and four draft picks, including three in the 2022 WHL draft. That would be a third, a fifth, and a sixth round pick. No first rounders involved in this, though. Alex Cotton, who uh, has been one of the top uh, scorers when it comes to defensemen in the WHL over the last couple of years, Detroit Red Wings prospect, now in his final season. And that is an indication that the Lethbridge Hurricanes are selling off. So does that mean that uh, some of their other talented players, guys like Logan Barlogi and Justin Hall, those are their other 20-year-olds. It's tough to move 20-year-olds, though, in the WHL because most teams uh, already have their allotment. So we'll see. I think most people expect that Prince Albert Raiders will be a team that sells off uh, some of their high-end uh, players as well. Uh, Caden Gooley would be first and foremost on that list as a first-round pick of the Montreal Canadiens. He won't be back in the league next year as a 20-year-old, so uh, Gooley's probably on the way out, and you might be able to make that argument with Ozzy Weisblatt of the uh, Raiders as well, except he's drafted by San Jose, and San Jose's a team here in the, in the last few years that we've seen return players as overage guys to the Western Hockey League. Noah Gregor. Tristan Robbins as examples. All right, quickly going to the Ontario Hockey League, and I will just mention the uh, the standings in the OHL. The London Knights, as I mentioned, are 9-0 and to begin the year. In first place atop the uh, OHL's overall standings. Now, the Sioux Greyhounds have the same amount of points, but uh, have played four more games, and they've lost those four other games. So by winning percentage, it's not even close. But they're also the closest team to the London Knights. Right now, it's all London. Leading scorer, not surprised to see some Sioux Greyhounds here because they've played so many games, but uh, Rory Karens and uh, Ty Carty. Sasha Pastorov of the Guelph Storm has uh, 20 points off to a terrific start. Tucker Robertson with the uh, Peterborough Peets and Brandon Coe also in the top five. Meanwhile, in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, the uh, top scorer is Xavier Borgo of the Shawinigan Cataracts. Oiler fans here in Edmonton are excited to see that. William Dufour has 23 points. 
He plays for St. John. Olivier Nadeau of the Cataracts and uh, Theo Rochette from the Quebec Ramparts, both with 22 points. Miguel Tourney with 21 points. He plays for the mighty BB Armada. Now, the Rempart are the number one ranked team in the CHL's uh, top 10. That comes from the Quebec League. But by going by winning percentage, they're fifth in the league. Sherbrooke, with a record of 9-3, and three, are number one. Followed by Schwinnigan and Ramuski, both of those teams with a 7-14 winning percentage. The Moncton Wildcats in there as well before the Remparts. Quebec has actually lost four games in a row. Uh, and I usually go through the CJHL and the USHL and the NAHL, I, I'm, but I'm going to skip that. I want to get right to the uh, the guests here in a moment. Uh, just looking at the scores, the scoring leaders in the NCAA. Taylor Ward, Canadian from Kelowna, plays for Omaha. He has uh, pulled even with uh, Matthew Copperud from the Arizona State Sun Devils and Louis Boudin, who's from France, plays for Lake Superior. So you got a Canadian, an American, and a Frenchman. All with 17 points right now atop the scoring lead in the NCAA. Bunch of close, exciting games yesterday in college hockey. I didn't get a chance to watch any of them. But Lake Superior beat Michigan Tech in overtime. Union edged Clarkson in overtime. Dartmouth got past Colgate 3-2. Harvard beat Cornell 3-2. Providence lost against uh, the Massachusetts Minutemen 1-0. North Dakota at home beat Denver 3-1. Western Michigan, it was a 4-3 win over Minnesota Duluth. Colorado College and St. Cloud State went overtime, but the Huskies pulled that one out. Wisconsin in overtime beat the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Uh, One that wasn't close, the Michigan Wolverines 7-2 victors against arch-rival Michigan State. So a lot of close games in college hockey. Uh, All right, I only have three guests for you this week. They all join me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline. The tap room in Red Deer is open, but more importantly, if you are living between Calgary and St. Albert, including Edmonton and uh, Red Deer and Sherwood Park and Sylvan Lake and Olds and all the towns up and down Highway 2, then you can get free at-home delivery by going to troubledmonk.com slash shop and entering promo code PIPELINE. New seasonal that I see. Oh, it's just out of stock. They got two new ones. The Knights Who Say Nay. That would be the New England IPA. Uh, it says out of stock, so check to see if they uh, get any in again. And the Brave Noise Pale Ale, which I haven't tried. But most notably, the Rebels Red is back, which we did a game last Saturday in Red Deer. Uh, Andrew Peart and I drove down to do, uh, do the game. The Oil Kings taking on the Rebels, which the Rebels won. And part of the uh, post-game broadcast on uh, Rebels Radio, uh, Troy Gillard always uh, has some troubled monk around, and was kind enough to share a couple of Rebels Red cans with us, which we uh, I was driving, so I didn't drink it there. But Andrew, I believe, forgot, quote-unquote forgot, to give me mine when we parted ways after I dropped him off at his vehicle. So he's got my Rebels Red can, but that's all right. I know a way to get more. Troubledmug.com slash shop with promo code PIPELINE. I have three guests for you this week. We are going to start with a couple of 2022 Draft Spotlight segments, beginning with Danny Zilkin, who is a forward with the Guelph Storm. He was supposed to join me last week, but the day that we were supposed to do the interview, I was told, oh, an NHL team wants to chat with him at that exact same time. So, you know, do you want to talk to the Pipeline show, or do you want to talk to an NHL team if you're Danny Zilkin? Yep, I'll take second fiddle every time on that one but uh, he was kind enough to connect with me early in the week so Danny Zilkin with a great backstory 
born and raised in Moscow, but uh, moved to Canada at the young age of nine years old. Why? Well, we'll let him tell you the story. Uh, from that conversation with Jilkin, we'll go to Noah Hackett, who is uh, having an outstanding season with the Olds Grizzlies in the Alberta Junior Hockey League. That team is struggling, but he's having a terrific year. One of the top scorers in the league and uh, way ahead of everybody else on his own team. Looking for an NCAA scholarship package right now, too, so he's a free agent for NCAA schools, having a heck of a year right now. And we will end things off with a, a look at one of the top teams in the North American Hockey League right now. It's the Maryland Black Bears. And a head coach, I didn't know this when I uh, scheduled the interview at first, but uh, Clint Millimock is the head coach. Spent a lot of time in Canada. He's dual citizen, coached at Notre Dame in uh, Wilcox, Saskatchewan. Uh, so really entertaining, uh, great conversation with Clint Millimock, the head coach of the Maryland Black Bears. So those are the three guests you're going to hear from. We'll start with the 2022 Draft Spotlight segment with Danny Zilkin. That's up next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. One shot on goal for Denmark on that power play. Now McDavid back the other way. In comes Connor McDavid. Loose in front. Hey, it's Connor McDavid of the Erie Otters, and you're listening to The Pipeline Show. Living on a lighted stage approaches the unreal For those who think and feel In touch with some reality Beyond the gilded cage Five-time Alberta Junior Hockey League champions, the Spruce Grove Saints, are back and welcoming fans to the Grant Fuhrer Arena for the 2021-22 season a community-minded Junior A hockey organization offering affordable family entertainment. Tickets to Big League Hockey at affordable family rates range from $9 to $15 with free parking and some of the best food and drink specials in town. For more information on tickets and how you can become a partner, go to sprucegrovesaints.ca. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Oh, my. We are back on the Pipeline Show, and we're going to begin this week's episode by turning on the 2022 Draft Spotlight and get to know another player who is draft eligible for the next NHL Draft. But first, the program, of course, brought to you by our title sponsor. That is Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky. You can get in touch with them and have their order shipped out to you if you're in Western Canada, which my next guest isn't in Western Canada. So, uh, Danny, you're, you are... Uh, out of luck if you wanted to get some uh, some beef jerky from WilhockBeefJerky.com. Uh, Danny Jilkin is my guest. He forward with the Guelph Storm. Uh, welcome to the program, Danny. How are things? Good, good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you making the time. Uh, coming off a couple of wins, riding a bit of a heater here. you got a big game coming up against the Kitchener Rangers, the, the team uh, that you're directly chasing right now in the in the Midwest Division standings in the OHL. Uh, you got to be feeling pretty confident, though, with the way your team is playing right now. Yeah, obviously, I think uh, we got to uh, start a little, we're a little dopey off the start. We're a little slow, but guys are gaining confidence right now. Obviously, we're 15 first-year players, so it's kind of hard to uh, get into the winning column right away and do things the right way. So there's a lot of things to work on still, but obviously, get to uh, get to get those four points on the weekend was pretty good, and guys are gaining confidence. So uh, hopefully, a good win tomorrow too. You mentioned something I was going to bring up is just how many new faces there are, and then you add considering nobody played really a whole lot last year. Certainly the OHL didn't play. I guess it was 
reasonable to expect there might be a slow start this year. Is that fair to say? Yeah, of course, 100% fair to say. Obviously, the older guys need to take uh, all the young guys under their wing, and we did just that. And uh, I think all the guys are close. We're probably one of the closest teams in the league. There's a lot of connections here and there. So obviously, it was hard, as I said, but we're getting we're getting getting better now. There's a lot of things to work on, and there's a lot of a uh, lot of potential in this group. There's a lot of skill in the dressing room. For you personally, you're two years removed from your rookie season, your first year in the OHL, but again, without a season last year. Uh, what's the biggest difference for you getting back into a, into the regular swing of things here in the OHL and, and you as a player a couple of years later in terms of your development? What's the biggest difference for you? Uh, probably the ice time. I'm relied a lot more uh, this year than the first year in the team. Obviously, I was a, I was still a third line uh, third line guy. I was getting getting ice, but it's a lot more pressure this year on me, and I have to play play a lot of defense and get those minutes and get the puck on there and do all the do all the little things all the little things well. And uh, of course, having having a letter on my jersey this year, being a leader for all the young guys, is a big thing this year as well. Is that difficult? Do you, does there is there some weight that comes along with that? Do you feel it like some added pressure uh, being a, a guy who's uh, expected to lead? Yeah, I mean, uh, maybe there there was a little at the start, and that's why maybe I was uh, a little angry that I wasn't getting a lot of points. I had a slow start to my season, but obviously, uh, last three games I picked it up. Me and Sasha, we. We bonded together. Obviously, Sasha's a great player. He kind of makes it easy to play with him and makes it easy for me to give him the puck. And I know I can expect good things from him when I give it to him. How does that chemistry come together? It's obviously a guy I'd, I would assume you've never played with before. Uh, actually, I've known Sasha for a while. We've played, I think, a few tournaments when we were little. So it was kind of fun. Uh, yeah, when I found out he was coming to the team, it was, it was a lot of fun. And I texted him right away, and it was, it was great news. Did did you have some influence on his uh, decision to to come north? I did not, not at all. No, <laughs> I I found out through, uh, <laughs> yeah, when everybody found out, so I had no idea. Awesome. Uh, well, off to a good start. You have eight points in the in the ten games, and that's after you know, as you described, a bit of a sluggish beginning. So uh, things are clicking for you and the team right now. Uh, Danny Jilkin is my guest. He's a uh, forward with the Guelph Storm, and Danny, we uh, like to do. What we like to do in this part of the show is uh, let the audience get to know somebody, and there'll be a lot of casual NHL fans that listen to a segment like this, uh, just wanting to get information on draft eligible players. And uh, while this is, I'm a junior and college hockey uh, fanatic, there'll be a lot of people who don't watch the OHL that'll listen to this right now. So people who don't know anything about you or the team. Yeah. So for the benefit of those people, let's get some background. Uh, first off, where are you from? I was born in Moscow, Russia. And I moved here with my family in 2013 when I was nine years old to obviously chase the dream of playing in the NHL. I was here for a camp for two weeks, and unexpectedly, a coach just asked me asked me to play for his team for the next season, and we made the decision to move. I mean, that's amazing. I hadn't heard that, I don't think, from anybody else at nine years old. And, and your parents have that flexibility where they could just say, okay, let's, let's move to Canada. Yeah, it was obviously a lot to my parents. And one of the main reasons why I'm playing hockey is just to give back to them. They've done so much for me and, and my little brother. He's 13. He's also getting drafted to the OHL in the next, uh, I think, two or three years. So uh, I just want to thank my parents for everything they do. And that was obviously a big step for them. And and your entire family was able to, to move here at the same time? It's not like some of you were back in Russia? Yeah, my brother, as I said, he's 13. He's playing hockey here. And my sister, she's uh, at University of Ottawa. So hmm. we moved here all together. Uh, and when you said you were nine years old, so obviously you're going to have some memories from back then. What's the what was the biggest difference for you as a as a kid uh, coming over and uh, getting used to a a new culture? 
Yeah, probably probably the language. I learned it pretty quickly, but it was hard at first. I didn't kind of it was hard to make friends, and I didn't really speak speak much. But I picked it up in I think just a few years. So probably that was the biggest biggest jump for me. And what was the 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 thing that helped you learn the language the most? A lot of people will tell me it's TV or or watching YouTube or something like that. How did you uh, teach yourself the language? Uh, I think just hanging around my teammates all the time and they're all speaking English, right? And just right. going to school every day and just, just hearing it and soaking it all in. It wasn't wasn't super hard. Was the hockey a lot different? Hockey, yeah, it was just a lot faster, I remember, because it's smaller ranks and Russia has those Olympic-sized huge pads and they want you to play such a different style of, style of play where it's here, it's everything so fast, give goes and put the puck on that and crash the net and all that stuff. I would think you're bilingual, I'm assuming? Yes, I am. I'm, I'm fluent in uh, Russian. All right. Now, in terms of hockey, you're a Canadian, aren't you? Uh, you've played with uh, with Hockey Canada in the past, including the the World U18. So, uh, was that an easy decision for you to make? I think so. Yeah, that was pretty easy for me. Like growing up here and playing hockey here, I always wanted to play for Team Canada. And that was a dream come true when I could do that twice in U17 and U18. So, it was a pretty easy decision for me. All right. Uh, well, Danny, are, have you, you're a center now, correct? Uh, or are you playing on the wing, or do you shift around through all the forward positions? Yeah, I'm a center now, but obviously for special teams or some face-offs, set plays, I, I can be on the wing, but uh, mostly I'm a center. And as a kid, have you always been a forward, or did you ever spend time on the blue line or have to take your turn uh, putting the pads on when you were really young or something like that? <laughs> uh, I haven't, no, but I, you know, when I was little in Russia, I, I was playing right wing, so I was on my offside, but when I came to Canada, they moved to me to center right away. I know when I ask uh, the kids, that, you know, the guys who were five or six years old playing over here, most of them did have to take a turn playing in goal. A lot of kids, they don't want to play. A lot of teams might not have a, an actual goaltender at that age, um, so everybody has to rotate and take their turn. Not the case in Russia? No, no, very different in Russia. They already had set goalies, so nobody really took turns. Uh, the sheet I'm looking at says six foot two and 183 pounds. I don't know how up to date that is, though. Uh, probably, yeah, six two. I would say 187 ish. Okay, so fairly close. Yeah, pretty close. Have you topped out uh, growing taller, or do you, is there still some uh, growth upwards to come? Well, being a late birthday, I'm still I'm still 17 years old, so I think there's still some growth to come, and obviously I'll I'll girthen up a little bit as well, working in the gym every summer, so I'll gain a few pounds and hopefully another half inch or so. Did you have a favorite team growing up, uh, in, in like a favorite NHL team when you were overseas, or was, was it more once you uh, arrived to Canada and got to know the league a little bit more? Uh, probably when I got to Canada, I always loved Paolo Gatsuk. So when I was little, probably the Red Wings. Right now, I can't really can't really have a team, especially in my draft year, so I'm not sure about that. <laughs> just just watch highlights. I love Nathan McKinnon and Kuznetsov are probably my two favorite players. Yeah, whoever your favorite team is actually right now, it might change in a, in about eight months' time. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Uh, is the draft something that uh, you spend a lot of time thinking about, Danny? Well, obviously it's up in the air, but you try to not look at all that stuff, all the rankings and stuff. It's still only 10 games into the season and a lot will change, so it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. As everybody says, so I try not to look at all that stuff, especially with, as I said, my slow start. I know like there's so many games left, and I'm not stressing out about it. Uh, it's funny though, because I'll, I'll, when I ask that question to some players, there are guys who tell me they actually actively seek out to see where they're ranked by Central Scouting or TSN or Sportsnet or whoever, and they kind of use that as a motivator. Other guys though say it could be a distraction, so they stay away from it. Sounds like you're more in that second category. Yeah, I mean, if you rank pretty high, it might give you confidence and give you motivation if you rank low. But 
as I said, I don't think rankings mean mean a lot as uh, because there's always you know there's scouts at the games, and if you don't have a lot of points, it's not all about points. Then there wouldn't be scouts if it was all about points, right? So I try not look at all that stuff and just just play my game. So essential scouting has you listed as a B prospect. I'm sure you hear about it from from people around the team or or your teammates or something yeah. like that, but. It, it doesn't phase you one way or the other. That's not like, all oh, right, I'm doing something good, or, man, I want to be an A. I mean, obviously, everybody wants to be an A, I think. So uh, there's obviously something to work on, and I know the things I need to work on. So I'll, I'll get better during the season. There's still, uh, I think, what, 50, 58 games left or so. So yeah. there's a lot of hockey left, and I know I'll, I'll get better with every game. And playoffs. Don't forget the playoffs. Uh, I'm out in Edmonton. I'm in Edmonton, uh, out in Alberta, so I don't get to see the OHL all that often. Uh, So for for myself and for the benefit of those casual NHL fans that are listening, can you talk about what style of play you see yourself as or what what sort of a player you are maybe and project to be at the next level? Yeah, I'm a fast, uh, two-way skilled centerman. I love, obviously, uh, I love scoring scoring the goals, the important goals, and I, I find my teammates a lot, and uh, I'm really good in the face-off circle. I think I'm over over 60% this season so far, which is pretty good. So uh, my team relies on me a lot in the uh, in the defensive end, especially this year. So uh, I try to be a leader for the guys and be that scoring winger, scoring center, sorry, and as well as be good in the defensive zone. I know in your rookie season you had seven goals and eight assists, so it was really evenly split between the two. This year, two goals and six assists. It's very early, and maybe that just balances out as we go. Or do you see yourself being more as a setup guy this year than you were in your rookie season? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the puck puck luck hasn't just been on my side uh, throughout those ten games. So I had a lot, hit a lot of posts and had a lot of uh, high shooting, high shooting games. But the puck right. just doesn't go in for me. But in an exhibition, I was five plus one, so I had those goals. They were coming good for me in six games. So. Uh, I know, obviously, as I said, the pucks will go in. It's just like a little slump right now. So, uh, Tell me about the uh, U18 experience for you getting to go. I know you know, you're a late birthday, so most of the guys were your age, but a different year hockey-wise. Uh, what was that uh, like for you, though, to go down with those guys? Yeah, it was incredible. It's everything I've ever dreamed of. It was an unbelievable experience. A lot of, obviously, I knew all, uh, most of the guys that were on the team, and I just didn't know the, the Western Hockey League guys, but I knew some from uh, past... Uh, national national team so it was a great experience it was great getting that gold medal it was, it was unbelievable all right are there things at the ohl level that uh, you're still trying to fine-tune in your game before you're ready to take that next step i know you got this year and and potentially next year still at the junior level but are there you know areas of your game that you know you definitely have to address uh probably i, gotta, I still have to walk my shot every single day and probably my agility down low hmm. my top end speed it's it's good but it could always be better so uh, probably those three things. So, how do you work on agility down low? What does that look like? What is that? Is that are those drills that you're doing? Yeah, those are drills after practice. I like to stay on. I I do some skating, hmm. some bagger drills too, and I shoot the puck a lot. Obviously, I I I volunteer to shoot on goalies for goalie sessions before or after practices, which helps me a lot. Well, listen, Danny, I really appreciate your time today. This was a, a fun conversation. Uh, I wish you the best of luck the rest of the season and. Um, we'll see what happens. Uh, maybe we'll get a chance to talk down the road. Of course. Thank you so much. Here's Danny Jilkin from the Guelph Storm and uh, had that conversation with him early in the week. The next night, they played the Kitchener Rangers and uh, Jilkin with a pair of goals in that outing against the, the uh, Rangers. Uh, no points, though, on a Friday against the Sioux Greyhounds. They're uh, in 
action against the Greyhounds uh, here tonight as well, this being Saturday, now that I'm speaking with you. Interesting player. He's got size. He's got hands, obviously. So I expect uh, he's probably, you know, I see he was given a B rating by Central Scouting. I could see that changing by the end of the year where he could be an A late first rounder, maybe early second rounder. He's got to be in that range, I would have to think. That's Danny Zilkin. We go from the OHL to the Alberta Junior Hockey League next as uh, we're joined by one of the top scorers in the AJHL. That's Noah Hackett of the Old Grizzlies. He's next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Second round pick of the Colorado Avalanche. Over to Gutman, to Savoy, and he's got a hat trick. Start throwing the hats. Give up the $24 hat. Throw it on the ice for Carter Savoy. This is Carter Savoy from the Sherd Park Crusaders, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. NHLers Kyle Turris wow, and Duncan Keith Goal! and future NHLers Tyson Jost and Dante Fabro all took the campus route. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Key Flaming. You know, I hear the camera adds 10 pounds. Looks like you've eaten five cameras. We are back on the Pipeline Show, and we're going to continue on with this uh, segment uh, by keeping the 2022 draft spotlight on. Uh, we'll get to my guest in a second, but of course, the program is brought to you by our title sponsor. That's Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky, and I'm sure that my next guest. Uh, probably has easy access to uh, Wilhock Beef Jerky as he uh, plays for the Olds Grizzlies, uh, partly owned by the owner of Wilhock Beef Jerky. And that, of course, is uh, Noah Hackett, who is uh, having a hell of a season uh, this year with the Olds Grizzlies. Noah, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, I, I want to talk to you about the season you're having, but we should start with the team. And it's kind of two different stories because you're having a great year, but the team struggling right now uh, what's gone wrong for the old grizzlies uh, out of the gate um yeah right out of the gate you know it's obviously not the start we were looking for but uh, we all believe in the room you know our record doesn't really reflect how we feel that we've been playing you know we're dropping games late in the third period you know like we're finding ourselves in those situations all the time and we're really working on uh learning how to close out games and uh yeah you know a couple early ones right in the season we thought were winnable games didn't quite get there, but mm. I think that we're going to figure it out and start rolling here. Well, I, I mean, you're scoring goals. You got 52 goals, and that's about you know middle of the pack for your division. You're in your uh, in the South Division, but you can't seem to keep the puck out of your net. So uh, defensively, you guys got to sharpen up a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Goal scoring hasn't really been too much of a problem for our team, which is uh, a positive sign, but. You know, the D zone could definitely use some work, and, you know, it's something that we're working on every day with Scotty, so eventually things will start to click, and then we'll see some wins coming. All right, but for you on a personal level, a heck of a year. 31 points in just 18 games, including 15 goals. You're almost a goal-per-game player, let alone point-per-game player. What's gone right for you, uh, Noah, because uh, this is a a tremendous season here for you? Uh, Yeah, I got off to a pretty hot start this year. Um, 
but most of it just comes down to, you know, like having line mates that are really easy to play with. Um, I've had a couple different line combinations so far this year, but every single line I've been with, you know, they've been great line mates. They move the puck well. You, they forecheck hard. They really work hard. And, you know, I can't ask for much more opportunity-wise because, you know, I play a lot of minutes and I'm always in those big situations. So, yeah, I mean, the more I... The more puck touches I get, the more points I get. My line mates really understand that, so it's perfect. Well, you're the Pizza 73 Player of the Week in the Alberta Junior Hockey League uh, this week, so perfect timing that I get you on the program. Now, those 31 points, you got nobody else in your team has 20 points, so I know you're a good teammate and you like to credit the other guys on the team for your personal success, but, man, if I'm on, on the opposition, my number one game plan is to shut Noah Hackett down, and yet... I'm sure you're getting focused on by all the uh, the other team. You're still finding a way to have success. Is there a, you know a, a key to your success so uh, so far this year in in what you're doing as an individual player? Um, I just think that honestly, it's just like you know trying to find new ways to get open, trying to find like new things to do and stuff like that. Like it's always like adjusting to the other team's game plan and stuff like that. Uh-huh. But you know there hasn't really been like one or two things that's really got me the success I've had. It's more of kind of just bearing down situations and putting the puck in the net. Noah Hackett is my guest here on the Pipeline Show. And uh, uh, Noah, we call this the, the 2022 draft spotlight because we're profiling players who are eligible for the upcoming NHL draft. It's uh, kind of got an asterisk for you because you were eligible for a couple of years now. And I know COVID wiped it out for everybody last year or for most people last year. But uh, your first year in the in the AJHL with the old Grizzlies, you had 37 points in 55 games. You were eligible that year, but didn't get taken. Were were you disappointed by that? Did you expect to be selected? I don't know if you were on the radar for central scouting or anything like that. What was your thoughts about the way the draft uh, didn't work out for you that year? Um, yeah, I, you know, I wasn't really expecting to get drafted. I didn't think too much about it, but like obviously, getting drafted would have been absolutely amazing but because it didn't happen you know i wasn't too worried about it didn't really let it get me down or anything just kind of put my head down and just kept working well i imagine it's a motivator uh and again last season uh, there were very minimal games played in the ajhl you did have five points in six games though so even the little bit you got to play you were putting up the numbers uh this year though i, I assume that's one of the focus and I, I believe also correct me if i'm wrong no college commitment just yet uh, but uh, it's your final year of junior eligibility, so there's a lot on the line for you this season. Yeah, it's, uh, there is a lot on the line for me. You know, um, Hopefully it can all fall into place. I just got to keep doing what I'm doing. You know, I still got a lot of things in my game I need to fix up before I, I'm ready to move on to that next level. But yeah, obviously getting, uh, you know, talking about the upcoming draft, not really something you know i try to think too much about but you know if it happens it happens if it doesn't it doesn't right i'm not uh trying to let that get to me too much or anything like that but yeah yeah plenty of guys go undrafted and a lot of them will go on and play college hockey and then become free agents you know after their third or fourth year of uh college hockey and that's uh that's not a bad thing either when it comes to negotiating contracts so the i guess the next step is uh get that scholarship have there been some teams starting to uh, talk to you or your camp? Uh, yeah, there's been a little bit of interest here and there. Um, a couple, uh, a couple of teams that showcase and stuff like that, yeah. but uh, nothing like too serious yet. So I just gotta keep working at it. Are you allowed as a player to approach schools, or do you always have to wait for the schools to come calling for you? Um, I'm pretty sure that I can approach schools. I haven't really 
you know, uh, done that or like asked anyone about that. But yeah, like it's more of just like they kind of contact me and then we kind of go from there. Okay. Uh, Noah Hackett is my guest here on the Pipeline Show, lighting it up with the old Grizzlies this year. 32 points in just 18 games as we're speaking right now. Uh, by the time this airs, you'll play another game or two. Uh, so we'll see uh, how much the points have changed in the next uh, few days uh, for the for you and for the Grizzlies. But uh, for those who uh, haven't had a chance to watch you play or, or know much about you, maybe let's get a bit of background. Um, where in Alberta, You're from Alberta, correct? Uh, where you, where'd you grow up? I grew up in Pinoca, just an hour uh, hour north of Olds. All right, so the the folks who uh, aren't from the province, it's between Edmonton and Red Deer, and uh, very well known for the uh, the big rodeo every summer. You uh, do you attend the rodeo? Uh, yeah, I usually do attend the rodeo. Uh, <laughs> it's a pretty uh, exciting time in Pinoca, so I always make sure I make it out there, even watch the events and everything like that. So. It's a good time, that's for sure. Yeah, I think next to the Calgary Stampede might be one of the biggest rodeos in the province. So, yeah, it's a, it's a big one. If you're ever through Pinoca in the summer, uh, for the benefit of the listeners, I might want to time that uh, and check it out. Um, Noah, your experience in the in the AJHL, I, I mentioned before we started, I see, can see that you played one game for Camrose and one game for Lloyd. How did you end up in Olds? Um, so at the end of my third-year midget, I was just you know going to the spring camps, like, all the kids do. And, um, Joe Murphy was the head coach at the time and ended up having a pretty good camp. And they were the only team that offered to sign me. And I was super excited to have this opportunity here. And it's definitely worked out for me. And I can't thank Joe and Trent enough for giving me that opportunity, but yeah, I'm really happy with where I ended up. I sure do love olds. The sheet I'm looking at says six foot one and 175 pounds. I don't know how up to date that is though. What are you at right now? Um, actually, I'm at, at 6'2", 195 pounds right now. All right. So is this a lot of off-season That's uh, a bit of it. <laughs> off season training? Or uh, what, to what do you attribute the, the extra size now? Um, yeah, it's, obvious, it's definitely been off-season training, gaining a lot of muscle in my legs and stuff like that. I was, a pretty, I was actually a pretty scrawny kid when I was 176 pounds. So, hmm. yeah, definitely the training and just being on the ice every day has definitely had a factor into it as well. I'm guessing you can feel that on the ice and that that's part of the reason you're having so much success this year is that you are you are bigger, stronger, I'm assuming quicker? Uh, yeah, definitely. It's definitely nice being the size that I am, just kind of being able to do little things like puck protection, you know, and sometimes like even as an older player, having those uh, newer guys come in that quite aren't like at that level yet yeah, that have trouble like pushing you off the puck and stuff like that. So it definitely is very beneficial to me to be the size that I am. Now the uh, the AJ's website lists you as a forward, so it doesn't really get specific which of the three forward positions you you play the most. Where where do you line up? Um, I'm always a right winger. I play a little bit of center here and there, just like uh, with injuries and stuff like that. But I'm usually on the right wing there, and that's where I've been for the past three years in the AJ. So okay, and I can throw the numbers out again: 32 points in 18 games. So we know you're an offensive guy, but maybe the stats don't complete the picture uh, how would you describe yourself uh, if someone asked you uh, you know what kind of a player you are what's uh, what sort of uh, what's your job description for the team other than putting up the points obviously uh yeah um, I do penalty kill a lot that's one of the more important things that is that's part of my game really I'm um, turning myself um I've been working on turning myself into more of a two-way forward I think that's really important if I want to move on to the next level so but yeah as of right now I guess just looking at the numbers, you could say I'm a goal scorer, but I do chip in like defensively as well. I think that's really important. So 
Yeah, I'd say I'm more of a two-way winger. Okay, I was going to ask you about the goal scoring versus a playmaker because your your points are pretty much split in half between uh, either lighting the lamp or setting somebody else up. Is there one that is that feels a little bit more natural for you, or do you you know if you're on a two-on-one, are you more apt to shoot the puck? Not that we're trying to give away you know national secrets here or anything. <laughs> yeah, I would hate to give myself away, but yeah. to be honest, if I'm on a two-on-one, it's definitely me looking shot first and. If you ask any of my teammates, they'd say the exact same thing. But, you know, if the pass is there, I'll make it just for anyone that could be listening right now. But, yeah, I'm definitely a shot first type of player. Got to keep those goalies guessing, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. A Central Alberta guy growing up, I know Red Deer is kind of the, the midway point between Edmonton and Calgary. Did you have a, a favorite NHL team growing up or was it maybe one of the two not even in the province? Are you cheering for somebody else? Uh, I grew up an Oilers fan, so my favorite player growing up was uh, wasn't on the Oilers. It was actually Brad Marchand. Oh wow! But uh, yeah, I've been an Oilers fan since day one. You only got thirty penalty minutes this year. Only forty-one as a rookie. That's not very Brad Marchand-like, though, is it? No, I'm not the type of guy to lick someone. So I'll see if I can work on that. <laughs> so what is it about him that you like then? What you know, as you mentioned, you're not licking people like he does, and you're not trying to. You know, goad them into dropping the taking stupid penalties and stuff. Or are you? Are you a, a guy who likes to chirp on the ice and try to drive the opposition crazy? No, I'm not the type of guy to chirp. I usually like to keep my mouth shut. But the thing about him is, you know, he plays. You know, even even for his size, he plays so gritty and he plays hard. And then he puts up the numbers. So, you know, it's kind of a game that, besides, like you know, some parts of it about his unsportsmanlike play. But there's parts of his game that I like to model my game after and. Also, uh, I've met him a couple times, and so that definitely factors into it because I just thought he was a great guy. So ah, I see. All right. Uh, you mentioned a little while ago you love playing in Olds. You love that area. Uh, what is it about Olds that, that, that makes it so fun to be there? Um, well, honestly, Olds kind of just reminds me of my, my hometown in Pinocchio. You know, it's not too big, yeah. not like big city living or anything like that. You know, it's a good little town. You know, everyone everyone knows you when you go out and about and it's just like it's a good environment here. Like everyone kind of bleeds like yellow for the Grizzlies. And so it's a really tight-knit community. And, you know, it's perfect for junior hockey. Noah, I really appreciate your time tonight. Uh, I wish you guys the, the best of luck the rest of the way this year. And I hope uh, things, you know, in terms of college commitment or, heck, who knows, maybe even the NHL draft. I hope those things all come your way. Yeah, it was really good. Thank you so much for uh, reaching out to me and having me on your show. There's Noah Hackett of the Olds Grizzlies. After I uh, chatted with him earlier in the week, they've uh, played two more games that have the Grizzlies. Uh, they lost both of them. A lopsided uh, defeat against the Brooks Bandits, the number one ranked team in the entire Canadian Junior Hockey League. And then they uh, dropped a more recent game just last night against uh, Drayton Valley, who are also playing some pretty good hockey. Another tough game tonight for the Grizzlies as they face the Bonneville Pontiacs, another top 20 team in the CJHL's top 20. And it doesn't get much easier as they their next game after that is in Brooks against the Bandits. So a tough stretch here for the Olds Grizzlies, but uh, Noah Hackett playing very well, up to 32 points in 20 games. And uh, as I mentioned, he is a uh, basically a college free agent, as does not yet have a college commitment. 19 years old, he'll turn 20 in December on December 11th. But listed at 6'1", what did he say, about 180 pounds? Hard to imagine that uh, he does not get uh, some attention from NCAA schools. And we'll see what uh, the future holds for him uh, going south playing Division One. 
All right, we have one more segment to go. And uh, speaking of uh, college hockey, no league is putting more players to the NCAA Division One than the North American Hockey League. I dedicated an effort this year to getting to know that league a lot more. We talked about the Amarillo Wranglers a little earlier this season. Well, next up, the Maryland Black Bears. They are off to a fantastic start. They have the leading scorer in the NHL and uh, a head coach with a, a nice backstory as well. I asked for either one, and I got head coach Clint Millimock. We'll get to know him, his team, and more next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. And the Finns will start a lead pass by Ferranacci. In a low, Ferranacci scores! John Ferranacci catches the Finns on a change, and the United States retakes the lead. Hey, it's John Farinacci from the Dexter Southfield School, and you're listening to The Pipeline Show. They used to tell me, boy, you ain't going nowhere. With your cheap guitar and your big long hair. The Troubled Monk Brew of the Week sure is a tasty one. Bud, what is it? Bucktooth Belgian White, a light and citrusy, flavorful beer. This Belgian White is a perfect patio pint. Try it with a freshly cut orange to brighten up your already sunny day. Player comparable, Patrick Kane knows what season to turn it on and has splashes of brilliance. Troubled Monk, visit the tap room in Red Deer or get free same-day home delivery in Alberta by placing an order at TroubledMonk.com. Troubled Monk, craft beverages worth sharing. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious, and don't call me Shirley. We are back on the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming as we continue on with this week's episode. The program, of course, is brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. That is the best beef jerky you've ever had. It's Alberta's best beef jerky. Two locations in Alberta, in Spruce Grove or Leduc. And if you're in Western Canada, you don't have to make the drive all the way there. You can just contact Probably the location in Leduc would be the best one to get in touch with. They will ship it to you. Any order, any size, anywhere in Western Canada. That would be Manitoba and West. Uh, my next guest could have got it uh, in years past, but not now. He's way down in uh, the Washington, D.C. area. We're going to talk a little NAHL hockey on this week's episode as we go to the head coach of the Maryland Black Bears. That is Clint Millimock. Uh, Clint, welcome to the program. Coach, how are things? Things are going well, Guy, and and you know we're we're just excited to be back in in front of fans like the NHL and all the junior teams, and a far cry from where where we were last year. Well, and the team is playing really well. The last I looked, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think you have the top record right now in the North American Hockey League. So you're out of the gate uh, playing some pretty uh, pretty solid hockey. At least you're leading your division right now, correct? Yeah, we're we're leading our division, and I think we're there's four divisions in our league, and we're probably I think third rank if you want to go by win percentage but points right now we lead the league um it's it's a it's a real good group of kids um you know you do this for a while and you you recognize talent and then you recognize teams and and i I really like the team aspect of what we have every guy really is is the type of of person and teammate that, that wants us to have success and not i to have success and we always talk about that in sport and and we got one of those rare teams where we seem to have a lot of that, which is it makes it really fun to be around. A record of 12 wins and uh, four losses, and one in overtime, one in the in the shootout loss as well in 18 games for those 26 points. And 
Uh, pretty competitive division. It looks like New Jersey's hot on your heels, but you're riding a bit of a, a win streak right now, having uh, won your last seven. Now, they've, they're unbeaten in eight, uh, so uh, they're nipping at your heels, but that's good, isn't it? keeps you guys sharp. Yeah, it's good for the division, too. It, it's, um, it seems to be that way. Every year, when you get you get on a streak and there's someone else in your division doing the same thing, and, and you, you'll usually find that we haven't played each other during that streak, so um it's it's uh it's a really good division it's a really good league uh it's 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 always seems to be a a tough win no matter who you play in or in your division whatever place they're in so it's it's very competitive uh, a lot of talent that's one of the reasons you know i, I wanted to get down to this level and in, in, in the u.s just uh it's such a fantastic league with with a lot of of talent I'm wondering about the footprint of your just your division. I know the league is spread out all over uh, the United States and uh, even up into Alaska and things. But uh, in your division, the East Division, you got teams like New Jersey and Jamestown and the Northeast Generals, the Maine Nordiques, who, who you're playing four games against here. Your next four games are, are against Maine. Uh, how far are you traveling? Uh, our furthest trip is to Maine, so that's about nine nine hours, nine okay. and a half uh, hours, and and so, but. The thing I like about our league is that, you know, we, we don't play, you know, Jamestown one night and then New Jersey the next. Like It's like college. We play Friday, Saturdays predominantly. Right. Um, and we will, if, if it's over six hours, our, our rule is if it's over six hours, we bust the day before, uh, get a good rest in, in our hotel, and then we're there for a couple of days. So it, it's a weekend league. We play the same team twice, so you don't have to – you know, pack and unpack, get on a bus, off the bus, travel. It's it's a really good setup for the kids, and I find it's a huge advantage for guys in terms of rest and going right from the rink to the um, the hotel. But uh, my New Jersey's three and a half, Jamestown's is like six and a half, seven, Johnstown, you know, three and a half, four, uh, Northeast eight, and then you got Maine and Danbury as well in Connecticut, and they're about four and a half, five hour trip. All right. Well, you got some WHL like uh, distances to travel uh, against some of your opponents. Uh, I'm speaking with Clint yep. Milimak. He's the head coach of the uh, Maryland Black Bears, top team right now in his division in the North American Hockey League. I mentioned you're playing against Maine, your next four outings, home and home, and weekend series where you're playing uh, two games. Um, so you got your next four outings against them. You played them earlier this year, split the series. Uh, so what did you learn from them earlier that you're going to put to use in the next uh, couple of weeks? Uh, usually, we right now, we're still really focusing on our game. And, and uh, they had one of their goalies, uh, Holt, played the second game, and he had an outstanding performance. And and uh, like we, at any level, if you're not going to step in front of the, the goaltender when shots are going to the net and screen and and dig for for pucks it's hard to score so so we we take every game where we try and learn how to how to you know have guys in front um how to attack low uh no shot on that's a bad shot when you have sticks or bodies uh you know going toward the net or at the net so and they're a team that that can play a heavy game so we've learned a little bit too how to play a bit heavier and play simple and and it's a hard league to toe drag your way through to success so a lot of young guys that were we learned those types of things. And Maine's a team that can play heavy. So hmm. uh, we had the first one, we played our style and got away with it. And the second one, they kind of played more defensive. And, and uh, we were trying to, as they say, put a square peg into a round hole. And that's hard to do. <laughs> well, you've got the leading scorer right now in the North American Hockey League. That's Ryan Bottrell, who's got 24 points in 18 games. And I know you're getting good, solid goaltending as well. You've got the, some of the rookie leaders this year. So a pretty well-rounded team. Maybe start with Bottrell, though. Uh, your offensive leader, what sort of a player is he? 
his IQ is off the charts. Um, no, there's no surprise that he's committed to Brown University. Uh, you have to be smart, obviously, to get in there. Yeah. Uh, but it is it's his smarts on the ice offensively is he's probably you know my years of doing this one of the smarter kids in terms of timing, understanding the game, really taking what he's being taught by the coaches and, and applying it. Um, he, he and he's building his game. He's he's very professional in terms of. He's not, he's not that guy who's got all the points and wants all the ice. He wants to get better. He has questions. He asks really good hockey questions. He's a joy to coach, um, but he's also, once again, a great teammate as well. So, um, you know, he's not about him. He really wants the, the team's success, and, and he's, a, he's just a good kid. But he's very, very good hockey IQ. You can see him apply things uh, from practice to games that he works on. Arizona kid, right? Correct. And yet he's he's kind of moved around uh, in the North American Hockey League. He played in Janesville last year, so uh, and that's uh, I believe in Wisconsin, isn't it? Yeah, he played there two years ago. So he's in 02, So he's 17 playing in the league, and you find out pretty quick it's a it's a it's an older league, it's a strong league. So he got some experience. Then he went to the NCDC uh, the next the next year, which is last year, which right. I liken it to more of a skill league. Um, you know, more puck touches not as, as, as old and not as physical as our league. So, but our league is definitely um, the top league in terms of a tier two in the U S. So he knew he, he needed to get back to our league and, and have success to, to uh, you know, ultimately attain his goal of a, of an NCAA commitment. So we were lucky enough to see a lot of teams on him because he had the experience in our league and we just beat a couple of teams to the punch and we're able to sell him on why he should play here and the role he'd have. And I think it's been a win-win. He's been happy. He got what he wanted. And, and what I like about it is he got his commitment and he, he hasn't stopped producing and working and getting better. And mm. he hasn't, he hasn't, you know, relaxed it and go, got what, got what I needed. So now we're just going to put her in cruise control. He's actually very hungry to keep improving. And he's got goals and aspirations of being not just a college player, but a, you know, a top six college player. Uh, who are some of the other standouts on your team, guys? You can uh, rely on night in, night out, and, uh, and I know I mentioned the goaltenders. It looks like both of them are playing pretty well for you too. Yeah, Luke Luca DePasco is, is a first year guy. He's an O three, and he's a big body goaltender, and, and uh, he's a southpaw, and he plays the puck unbelievable. And he just got goaltender of the month for our league. Yeah, uh, his, his numbers are off the chart. He's a, he's another worker, and, and Michael Morelli is is the returner from last year who was our starter and. And they both put up, you know, really good numbers and are both super reliable. Um, and they're both, same thing, ultra competitive, great work ethic. They So any given night you put them in the net, we're happy with our goaltending, it seems. And, and uh, you know, Brandon Piku, who's a Lake Superior State commit uh, for you Oilers fans, that's where Doug Waite yeah. went to school. So yeah. Peaks is going to go there either next year or in two years. But he's a point-per-game guy one of our captains and he's, he's, he's super steady and consistent. Uh, Luke Van Wy is kind of somebody nobody knew. Um, I got him actually from my alma mater at Notre Dame and, and Wilcox. He's a mm-hmm. Philadelphia kid. Uh, my brother runs that program and he recruited Luke uh, two years ago to play there. So he played for Devin Proft, who's in Swift Current now for a year. And then, and then um, I, I was lucky enough to, to recruit him over the, the off season and getting him to, to Maryland. He's a point per game defenseman. His IQ is, is really unparalleled by a lot of defensemen I've coached. Uh, super good IQ and very good skater, which helps. And then um, 
you know, our captain, Connor Cole, is a Newfoundland kid, lives in Toronto now, but born in Newfoundland. He's our captain. He's a, you know, point per game player and he plays all, all three zones and he's Mr. Reliable. I, I, I can put him on the ice, um, you know, to, to, with a minute left to try and score or a minute left to, to defend. And, and he's kind of, uh, one of those kids that you just find yourself keep on calling his number when, when, when the chips are on the line there. So he, he's, he's a great kid and a good leader as well. So we're, we're blessed with some good young kids. We got some Maryland kids as well uh, that are, are very productive. We want to help build the, the hockey landscape in Maryland. So we feel it's important to have some kids on our team and, and they're not just here as tokens. They're, they're really good players. So we're, we're in a good, in a good region and in a good spot in terms of recruiting and, and uh, yeah, there, I could go on and on when you're, when you're having success, it's not hard to pick guys out off your roster. And um, you know, it's, it's uh it's a fun group to coach. Like I said, what is minor hockey like in that area of the United States? We know it's growing in other parts of the, of the country. It seems like wherever there's an NHL team, well, there's the capitals have been there for a long time, uh, but you can't really say that that area is particularly a hotbed of, of uh, producing future NHL talent. Do you find that it's growing though? It is. You, you're starting to see more like Virginia kids and, and Maryland kids that are in col- in the college game. Right. Um, I would liken it to maybe like the state of Washington market where they've had hockey for years and years. Yeah. And you never really find that there's a lot of, of kids that are, you know, diamonds in the rough or kids that you're, you're looking for. And that will grow with the crack. And I think they'll do a great job. It sounds like they, they have an idea of, of how to build up the youth hockey. And they've had youth hockey, but it hasn't expanded. And I'm finding in Maryland, like there's a lot of good kids in this region. Uh, with the Capitals here, obviously that that helps. The the the, the when they won the cup registration and, and hockey got even more popular with a lot of kids. So I think you'll find in the next decade more Maryland kids, Virginia kids. Like like I said, we've got Virginia kids, uh, Maryland kids on our team, and and the region itself. You got New Jersey right nearby. Tons of talent in that region as well. So I, I think it's just going to keep growing and getting better and and um, lacrosse is huge in this market too, though. So like a lot of kids who are dual athletes, right. you'll find some of the top athletes, um, they grow up with lacrosse and hockey and some of the parents, maybe they don't have a hockey background and they push their kid toward lacrosse, which obviously is huge here. And there's some good academics you can get out of that as well. And so, but the hockey is growing. And that's part of what our owner's uh, goal is when he bought the team and, and put it here in Maryland. He's a Maryland guy. And he wants, you know, to grow with hockey in this region. And he wants kids to stay here and not leave at, you know, 14 years old or 15 like I did uh, when I went from California to, to Canada to find better hockey. There's there's enough here. There's enough talent. There's enough competition. So um, it's 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 growing. You can tell. Clint Millimock is the uh, head coach uh, in the NAHL for the Maryland Black Bears. Uh, now I wanted to get a bit of background in yourself. Uh, now the sheet I'm looking at says you're Canadian. What's the you were in California and then moved to Canada? What's the connection there? Okay, so my dad's uh, from from South, uh, Saskatchewan, from Rock Glen, which is near the border of Montana. Okay, little town of 300. So he's a Saskia guy. So when we we're in California. We we had moved there. He worked in finance, and and we moved there as a family when I was probably seven or eight. And honestly, just started skating the year before. I have a twin brother, Jeremy, and an older brother, Spencer, and sister Tara. So we all we all ended up there, and, and um, you know, thinking, okay, Disneyland every day. This will be great. <laughs> and uh, so we 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 ended up in, in Newport Beach, and from there, you know, that's where we really started playing hockey and. And, and developing in that in that aspect as well as other sports and then at, 
you know, before, I think after grade eight, I don't remember it, but my parents say that I, I'm the one who brought it up and said, hey, where's a place we can go to to play better hockey? Because that was pre-Gretzky, and, and now California's a bit different. Yeah. Um, but back then, it was only a couple of ranks, and your practices were at 6 a.m. Uh, or 5 a.m. in L.A. So it was a little different. So we ended up just, um, uh, my dad said, well, there's a, a school that I grew up nearby, and, and obviously their track record's pretty impressive. So we went there uh the three brothers went there to play play um hockey and we had a couple other california kids join us so it made it a bit easy and but i'd been in saskatchewan enough times to know what we were going to face and in the winters and all that but i didn't care I, I'm, I'm a hockey guy and hockey nerd and so are my brothers so we we just wanted to play hockey so we didn't care where we went and and um so that's how we ended up in wilcox and it's kind of been part of our you know our in the, in the family genes for a while now I mean, for there'll be a lot of people who are listening to this interview right now might not be familiar with uh, the program there. Uh, it, the school is Notre Dame, but it's not Notre Dame in South Bend. A uh, pretty big difference between uh, you know, Wilcox, yeah. Saskatchewan, uh, and, and that program <laughs> there from going from California. I, I have to think that first winter was a pretty big shock for you. You know, it it wasn't it wasn't. Too, I guess when you're that age and. You're in grade nine. I, I was a kid that wanted to leave home. People would say, why would you want to leave home? You're from California. You live in Newport Beach. You, right. you, you surf you know, on the weekends. You, you do so many things. And I just wanted to play hockey. And, and I've, I've always kind of been a guy that, that wanted to explore explore life. And, and, and um, maybe naivety had something to do with it. But I, the first winters, yeah, they're not great. You don't love them. But you're so busy there. Like you're 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 on the ice all the time you're meeting new friends you're doing tournaments um you're practicing you're in the weight room uh the dynamic at at Alton Murray College in Notre Dame is there's nothing like it i mean it's you're, you're in your own bubble uh where you're you're kind of doing your own thing with your buddies and and there's <laughs> you got to really love hockey to be there and and it's it's expanded since then and even some of the kids i went to school with went there for hockey and ended up playing the CFL so it, it, it's a great athletic school, a great academic school, and and to be there was just it was it was awesome. I loved it. Uh, I mean, I guess for Americans, the closest comparison would probably be Shattuck St. Mary's. Would you say? Yep, hundred percent. That's that's kind of what you when you tell you talk to American kids, you tell them it's the Shattuck of Canada, and and obviously there's a lot of competition now, and and there's so many prep schools all over West Coast and Ontario, but we're we're definitely you know one of the preeminent schools in in Canada and. And for us, uh, we got the history, and we got we got a really good program there. And I always say we, because I still think I'm a how. I guess you always are. Yeah. But it's just a great place to 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 look at and, and recruit. And you see now the coaches are leaving there to, to coach major junior. The players are going NCAA or going major junior. Like it's just there's the ultimate hockey school with with the academic package as well. Well, so you played there, and then you also uh, coached there as well. Before you were in Maryland, you were coaching at Notre Dame. Uh, at what point in your playing career did you start to get the feeling that coaching was going to be a thing for you? Um, it probably was way after I was done playing. Like I, 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 you know, played a bit of junior hockey in, in Alberta, and I'm not going to say oh injuries were the reason I didn't play. I didn't love the off ice aspect enough. I had other things I was interested in, um, you know, and and I probably when I started working in, in pro hockey, that's what I did first. I just wanted to stay in the game at some point and through Notre Dame connections, 
um, Rob Schreiner, who played on that team that won that Centennial Cup back in the, in the day with Brindamore, was running a team in Texas. And I had, had dual citizenship at that point. So I started working in Texas. And then, you know, by the time I was done working in hockey, I, I, like, I don't want to work on the business side. I think I know a lot about the hockey side. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until my, my twin brother retired playing from pro hockey himself. He was running a program in Boise, Idaho, of all places. And said, hey, do you want to run a team, one of my teams that, that that's in a program? And I said, sure. I mean, our tournaments were in Vegas, Arizona, Long Beach. I mean, who's going to say no to that, right? So <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'd love to coach and, and go bring my golf clubs and do a little surfing and, and have some fun on you know, and then all of a sudden I started realizing how much I loved it. And, and from there, like, I never thought at any point I'm going to be running a team in, in uh, Maryland. That, that never came into play. I, I really did it because I loved it and had a passion for it. And like I tell my guys, find, find that passion and run with it. I wish I would have started when I was younger. Well, you did coach five years uh, at Notre Dame with the Hounds uh, in the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League. And now for the last, what is, what's it been, three, four years now, uh, in Maryland, how did that opportunity come your way? Yeah, it's my fourth year, and and um, you know it, it it's rare. Like someone buys a team, they come in armed with their their management and their coaches, and and um, one of a few guys that that they had talked to uh, in the hockey world uh, had mentioned my name as someone I they should talk to, and I, I honestly didn't didn't know the owners, I didn't know the management. I, I had a phone interview from Wilcox. Um, and then, and then that, that went well. And then, you know, they flew me in for an in-person interview and, and, um, you know, had a good interview, obviously to, to, to be selected to, to come start this team. And so that's really how it happened. Just, just through, through connections, people that felt, felt strong enough about my abilities as, you know, on ice and off ice and, and felt I was the right guy to, to help start a program from scratch and it was a lot of long days i can tell you that but it, it's been well worth it it's an awesome place not only to to, to have a team and, and the facilities and the ownership but you know the, the to live here it's it's a fantastic area how much did you know about the league before you went down there and and joined it because uh, you can imagine from up here there's probably not a lot of people who know much about the the north american hockey league i'm learning a lot about it this year as i introduced the league to to my audience uh, but I mean, when you got teams called the Mud Bugs and, and things like that, it it just sounds, I don't know, like made up almost. And uh, I don't know yeah. how familiar you you were with the league before you got down there. I was very familiar. A lot of those teams, like the Mud Bugs, the Brahmas, and Lone Star, which is Fort Worth area, a lot of those teams were former pro teams in the old Central League. So the Western Professional League was Brad for living. Uh, helped start okay uh, back in the day with his dad, so they they helped start the Western Professional Hockey League, and that morphed into the Central Hockey League, and a lot of those teams subsided. There's still some kicking around, uh, but they're they're all those ranks like in in uh, Shreveport and Lone Star, um, Odessa. They all turn into um, teams in our league. And it makes sense because it's a cheaper overhead. You're not paying salaries. Right. Um, kids bill it out, and they have to pay for their billet fees. And you still have kind of that fan base where they they like their their hockey and they they're used to it being in those markets. So so I knew a ton about the league. I had actually applied a couple times to different teams, you know, during my ten years before Notre Dame even. And and um, so I was very familiar. But to be honest, I had no clue Maryland was getting a new team. I, I kind of was. I'd always keep tabs to see what's going on, but 
Um, it, they called me before I knew there was even a, an expansion team going to Maryland. So, hmm. so that was the one team I didn't know about. <laughs> wow. Interesting. Well, it's obviously worked out really well for you and I wish you and the team uh, continued success. I really appreciate you making the time coach. This was fun. Yeah. I, I appreciate you having me and, and, uh, it was fun doing the interview and, and conjuring up some old memories from, from, uh, <laughs> from Saskatchewan. I appreciate that. <laughs> That was Clint Millimock, the head coach of the Maryland Black Bears, who I chatted with. I believe I want to say that was Wednesday. Uh, it's now Saturday. They played last night against Maine. I hope I didn't jinx it, but uh, maybe it was the reverse pipeline karma uh, as they dropped that game. Same thing happened when we had uh, Harry Mahood, the head coach of the Amarillo Wranglers, on. They were on fire to begin the year, came on the show, then lost their next uh, game or two, as a matter of fact. Well, hopefully I didn't uh, curse the Maryland Black Bears. I really enjoyed that conversation. I, I didn't know when I first booked him as a guest that uh, he had spent all that time in California. I On his profile page at Elite Prospects, the Canadian flag, so I just assumed that he was Canadian. I didn't know that he was a dual citizen and spent all that time in California. Really interesting backstory, and to go from California to Wilcox, Saskatchewan, if you've never been, it's not very big. And then from Wilcox to Washington, D.C. area, uh, quite the difference in uh, not just population, but infrastructure and everything else that goes around it. And just another aspect of uh, the growing popularity of hockey in the United States, especially in that area in the uh, southeast. We'll continue talking uh, North American Hockey League here on the Pipeline Show this year. If there's a team or a personality, a coach or a player in particular that you'd like me to have on from the NAHL, uh, let me know. You can hit me up on Twitter at TPS underscore Gee. That's going to do it for this week's episode, and that makes it cleanup time. If you haven't got your bidet from hellotushy.com slash pipeline, I don't know what you're waiting for. It's uh, better for you. It's better for the environment. Your wallet is going to love it because of all the money you save on uh, not having to buy toilet paper nearly as often. It's one of the uh, smallest and best things that we've uh, added in our household over the last year and a half. It's funny when you go to somebody else's house and they don't have a bidet, and you're like, man, it's like I've gone back in time or something. Uh, you won't regret getting your bidet. HelloTushy.com slash pipeline. All right, next week on the program, I imagine we'll have more 2022 draft-eligible players. It's been a while since we went out to the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, so we'll try that. Of course, college hockey as well. And uh, no WHL segment this week, so definitely we'll have one next week. Lots of junior and college hockey uh, stories that we can touch on. So we will make sure that we do that. Quick thank you to everybody who has signed up recently to be a patron at patreon.com slash the pipeline show. All of the interviews that you heard on this week's show were up fairly early in the week. So patrons have been able to listen to those uh, interviews in their entirety uh, for three or four days now uh, before this episode come out, especially because it's uh, a day late. And I explained why in the opening segment. And if you didn't hear that, I apologize. I was really ill yesterday. I'm not even 100%. Uh, today uh, not going to the oil kings uh, game tonight but you can hear that game andrew peart will have the broadcast on oilkings.ca slash radio i wish i could go but you know i'm not feeling really well and i'd hate to be the reason that uh, anything got spread around so uh, i am going to stay home but i'll be listening and watching online all right that does it for me between now and then, why don't you get out and watch some junior college hockey so that you and I can talk about it next week, right here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Until then, my name's Keith Flaming. See you, everybody.